Episode six, man. What's up, Jeff? Nothing much. Well, a lot much. We got a jam-packed episode today. Jam-packed episode. We had a jam-packed week, sounds like, together. You know, we did some separate things, but some fun things. Absolutely. It's yeah. always good. It's, it's always, always good, good, man. It's good to see you again. It's always a pleasure, sir. Well, since we get jam-packed, let's go right into it. Yeah, man, let's go. We got a question this week. What's the question this week, Jeff? Well, question of the week is openers and headliners. What an opener needs to understand in how to play their role. So, you as the DJ. Yep. A headlining DJ, get openers. How should an opener play? Well, I've had to open. So, and I've opened why I've been a headliner. I, you know, um, there's a, there's a true art form to opening. Agreed. You know, sometimes people don't understand that and they, you know, think that they could just burn through records and then not pay attention to what they're playing. Like, you can't play the hottest track before the opener comes on. You know what I mean? So it's like you just play that role. I think opening is 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 tough. It, it is tough and it sucks, but it's something you have to. It's like being an apprentice at a tattoo shop. Mm-hmm. Something that you have to do or being a sous chef at a kitchen before you become a chef. Like you have to do play that role because if you just jump into a headlining gig, you know, being an opening DJ can help you format your, 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 your main headlining set. So if an opening DJ starts just crushing Ugh. hot tracks, yeah, starts crushing all the main things, all the hits of the night. What do you do then? We call that burning. Right. So DJ sometimes ask me, what should I play? And I look at them, I go, just don't play the hottest record. Right. Play anything. I don't yeah. care. Um, because I'll find a way to play around you. I have the catalog. I have the experience. But, Jeff, not all DJs have that in their toolbox. So a lot of guys can't. Right. So if you, like, a, we'll use this as an example because it just came to the top of my head, but Bobby Schmurder's record, like, you know, was one of the biggest records. If you play it before the headliner comes on, then it's like the headliner can't play it until, like, way deep in his set instead of playing at primetime. You know what I mean? So Now, do you think it depends on the genre? Now, you're talking about hip-hop records with Bobby Schmurder and things like yeah, that. Yeah. If an EDM DJ... Well, if, I could, yeah. If but, you're doing an opening set for an EDM DJ, is it different from doing an opening set of hip hop records because there there are so many different styles of EDM that you could 
you know, you're not just playing the, the top hits. Yeah, well, I've had that experience because I played at the Borgata, and I didn't always headline at the Borgata, but I had a residency there. Sometimes I, you know, sometimes I would have to open up for Tiesto or Aoki all the time and stuff like that. So I've been in that position of right. I've opened up for pretty much every big EDM artist there is. Mm-hmm. So let's use Steve Aoki for an example. Um, I know that not all the it depends on the venue too because I know right. the Bergata people are just going to the venue because it's in the hotel. They're not going there oh because Steve Aoki is. Some right, people right. are. Yeah, that's a fact. But some people are just going because it's a nightclub. Mm-hmm. So for that instance, I would definitely play a really big open format set. Up, so let's say Steve Aoki's going on at twelve thirty. Up until like eleven thirty, I would throw in some hip hop joints, and then from if he's going on at twelve thirty, from twelve to twelve thirty, I would play house music, mm-hmm. but a different type of house music. Like Steve Aoki's a big EDM guy. I would play like progressive house because okay. I know Steve's not going to play progressive house. Right. So I couldn't even touch anything in that genre of music that he would play. So I have a wide, you have a wide range of records to play that are progressive house or tribal house. Just don't play any EDM songs. And Steve will appreciate that. Like I've had DJs like Laidback Luke look at me and just go, wow, you just killed that. Thank you so much. Right. And I didn't burn him. And you just set him up. You set him up for a I good I just night. alley-oop him. You know yeah, what I mean? I like, love it. And like five minutes before he goes on, when I know they're starting to set stuff up, I'll play some weird like tech house song that's still dope. Right. That keeps people moving, but it, it takes a little bit of the energy out of the room. So when the headliner gets on, he could just bang him in the head. I like that. I don't want to be playing a banger right before the headliner comes on and then he plays a banger. No, like play a good record, brings the energy down. It all, almost creates, a, you know, some tension like, oh, here we come. Right, you right. know, something big is about to happen. Create that moment. And then when he comes on, just pops up. He's just banging him in the head. I like it, and they appreciate that. And that's how I became, became friends with so many of these huge, you know, EDM artists because of the fact that I played the role the right way. Right, right. Let me tell you from a promoter side. Yeah, I so, wanted to know yeah. how you felt. I was going to ask you this: how you? I, I wasn't sure if you were going to continue with what I was saying or not. But as a promoter side, what are you looking for as an opening DJ? Because it is very important. To you too, right? Absolutely. So, a, a promoting side of it, a lot of the times we use uh, to test out DJs by having them open. Now, having them open, anybody can play the top hits of that time. Of I, course, yeah. The hardest, I think, as you said a little bit ago, the hardest thing is is opening. Um, you have to really read the room. You're creating. You have to, you uh, have to be so uh, yeah. creative, and I and I agree on that. And that's when you see who's creative and not. And if you're mm-hmm. that creative, that you can set up a good opening set. It doesn't matter if there's zero people or the, the place is filled early. If you are creative and can create a vibe without playing the hot songs. Well, creating a vibe from nothing. From nothing. Because you are creating a vibe. You're creating a vibe from a blank canvas. Very true. The headliner's getting on. The dance floor is already packed because you created that. Right. You know what and I mean? Without, playing, without burning his records. Yeah, yeah. That's a good sign of an opening DJ. And that's somebody, for you young DJs, that's somebody that I would consider being a headliner or the next time giving a shot, more of a shot at a later time. So, But it is, 
one thing we didn't touch on that we spoke about before in the podcast was a great opener has to have that capability of reading a room. Absolutely. Because you're going to have, like I said, some people that aren't there to see Steve Aoki. Mm -hmm. So you have to please them people too. Right, exactly. Plus the bar needs to make money, so you can't just bang, banger, 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 because then the owner wouldn't be happy because his bar sales aren't up. Right, right. So you have to play that fine line as an opener of how to make everybody happy. The, The clientele, the owners of the club, the cash registers, the, the bartenders, because <laughs> you're actually playing for the bartenders for the first hour, basically, yeah. almost. Yeah. So one thing I take pride in myself is that when I do have to play that role in open, I'm playing for the bartenders and the staff at that point. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go in there and say, if I DJ there every Saturday, play the same set of records every Saturday. Right. Because yeah. They need to have fun, too. If I make the bartenders have fun early in the night, that energy is going to transfer over to the crowd that are buying the drinks. And then that dance floor, when they're buying their drinks, that energy is going to carry over to the dance floor. And they'll remember that. And that's what we talked about earlier is having your name at the tip of their tongues when or for promoters, for yeah. bartenders, for anybody, having your name up there. Makes it you want to be the first name that first DJ name that people talk about, and then promoter wise, you want to be the first promoter that people talk about. You're an opening DJ, you make the staff happy, don't play the same set every yep. week. <clears throat> that carries over again to the crowd from the bar to the dance floor, and the, now the whole place is having fun right. from the staff to your clients to everybody that's in the building. So, wow. yeah, man. That was a great question. It was a great question. And, it, it, it again, there's it, layers to yeah. levels to that one, it did too. Come in from, it actually came from a DJ that uh, has has sent us many questions. He's, uh, oh, we love it, man. Please continue to send in the questions that uh, I am the promoter. He's the DJ on our Instagram for sure. Absolutely. No, it's a great question. Yeah. Keep keep them coming. Look out every Tuesday or just send it whenever. Yeah, just question DM us yeah. for sure. We love it. You know what time it is. Oh. I know what time it is. Do you know what time it is? Gather around, kids. It's story time with Uncle Jeff. The names have been left out to protect the guilty. Now, here's a little story I got to tell <laughs> Again, if you're not familiar, it's that time of the show where we get to hear one of the wonderful stories from Mr. Uncle Jeff, what's it? what we got this week, brother? All right, we got a good one this week. I mean, when aren't they good, to be honest with oh, you, dude? I appreciate that. Well, this story goes in playoff baseball time. So we're talking about October? Ooh, non-sports guy, not yeah. so bad, right? So this is about the third baseman in the wrong cab. <laughs> so this story begins... During playoff time at District. Well, District is actually where I first met Jason. 180-person lounge. Wednesday night, it was the spot. Really? Where where, where was it? Like downtown in leather, Boston? In the something? leather district, yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. it was dope, dope spot. Um, And it was a place to be on, on Wednesday night. And that, that we're, we're talking about Boston, Massachusetts, by the way. So this third baseman was on the team that was playing the Red Sox. So it was the opponent. The opponent. Probably the most famous third baseman from this franchise's. Oh, the whole franchise. Yeah. Um, This guy was the man. 
good-looking guy. He's always dating models and, and always in the headlines of who he's dating and whatever. Paparazzi guy. Yeah. Comes to the club, has a blast. Yeah. People are giving him a little heat, chirping him. You they know? try to egg him on and shit. Egging right? him yeah, on, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's giving it back. He's having a good time. He's getting after it. He's got the table, the girls, everything. He's having fun. He's really getting after it. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, district is in the leather district. So every night we had around, like, the let out, like, 145 or 2 o'clock. All the uh, officers in the in the area would come with their police cars or, you know, just, like, set up. Just to know, disband, get rid of, the disperse everybody. Yeah, yeah, everything like that. You get to know the guys and know the officers, and they like to hang out. They like to do a little look around the club, of you know. Of course, yeah, 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 see, yeah. See what's happening. So one of the guys pulls up in an unmarked police car. So he gets out of the car where just, you know, lights are on, everybody's leaving. This baseball players, like the girls he was with, didn't want to go with him. So he's kind of, you know, uh, just like he's like bummed along. a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walks out the door. His ego's hurt a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. People are still chirping him, giving him a little heat. And now he's like, now he's taking yeah, it a little yeah. personally because his ego got yeah, hurt so by the like, girls. Right, I'm out of here. He's like, uh, where's the cat? Goes to the cop, you know, let me get a cab. You know, we're going to get a cab. We're going to get a cab. The officer points to his unmarked car. The guy opens the door. Yeah, yeah. Gets in the car. Closes the car. Oh, and then he can't get out. And realizes he's in the wrong <laughs> car. And everybody is just. Dying, laughing. He's just sitting in the in the oh, back of a cop car. The cop goes. The cop goes over and and, uh, and pulls him out. out. But he was he was pretty. He got sober real quick. He realized he was in the wrong. Yeah, oh, the back of the wrong um, cab. And actually, to, that's not the only cab story I have from district. I was just I was thinking about it as well. The craziest cab story is that probably that one. But the second one is I got a heads up that two NBA players were coming. Uh, I can name these ones because it was Dikembe Mutombo, <laughs> who's like seven two. It yeah, was not in yeah, my house. Yeah, yeah, Yao Ming, who's like seven. Yao Ming, get out of here. Seven, yeah, yeah, I know Yao Ming. Is. So they told me that they're coming. They were coming from you know after playing a, a baseball game. I didn't think that they would show up in one cab together. Together. It looked like the worst game of Twister in the backseat with these two guys. I can I mean, only I'm, imagine. Their, like, legs are just, like. Oh, every, maybe out the window. Oh, like, yeah. my God. Like, I'm six feet, like, big guy, and I have a hard time fitting in the back of a cat. Just like, imagine those oh, guys. Yeah, they have to have, like, better. special beds made for them when they're that big, dude. <laughs> yeah. All right, and that's story time. That's amazing. Awesome story, Jeff. Gather around, kids. It's story time with Uncle Jeff. The names have been left out to protect the guilty. Now, here's a little story I got to tell. <laughs> I'm the promoter. He's the DJ. We got our first interview today. Yeah, we do. All right. This man, two-time Grammy Award winner, podcast called Make Noise with Fat Man Scoop. The hype man of hip-hop, the voice of the club, we welcome... Fat Man Scoop. Yeah, Scoop, what's good? Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's all love, man. You know, of course, we all we both go back 
all three of us go back to our years, to our throwback years. So I, I got to come through and represent, of course. Well, we appreciate that, we man. Appreciate Thank that. you so much, man. We definitely go back in a lot of years. Lot of Won't years. say how many, but <laughs> a few, a few. All right, we're going to start this off, Scoop. Can you connect the dots for me? I'll give you some some names. We got Chill Will, mm-hmm. Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh crew, mm-hmm. Teddy Riley, and Diddy. Can you connect those dots for me? Um, of course. Uh, uh, Chill Will, Chill Will is my mentor. He's my direct mentor. Um, I was in the Dougie Fresh system as a rapper and artist, and Dougie and Chill Will was my mentor. Uh, no Chill Will, no Dougie Fresh, no Fat Man Scoop. I, Dougie Fresh, you know, because I, I performed well and did my thing and made a lot of noise in Harlem, I wound up being one of the rap dudes in Harlem and I uh, caught the attention of Markel Riley, who was Teddy Riley's brother and got signed to GR Productions, which was Teddy Riley and Gene Griffin. When that ended, Chill Will, doubling back as our mentor, took us to um to P. Diddy, Puff Daddy. And um, I was going to sign with Puff and didn't. And Puff is actually the guy who told me to get in the music business. And from that point, I got into the music business. I turned around later and, and got back to my artist roots. And here I am, this fat man school. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. What a connection. And not only that, what a journey. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, do you, know, do you know Jason's first break? What was Jason's first break? I could tell you exactly where I was and what moment and everything that was going on that particular day. Well, Scoop and I were doing a lot of stuff together back in the day at SUNY Binghamton. We used to do a lot of those fraternity parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scoop had a, I think we did a gig on Friday night. And then Scoop had another gig Saturday. And something happened to his DJ or something. I remember I went to Burger King. I was coming home. I had a sick stomach. <laughs> and Scoop hit me up. It was either you or your brother hit me up. It was like, yo, we need you for t- tonight. Come roll with us. And I was like, oh, shit. You were like my first like big big break on the road type situation. Wow. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life, and I and I hold it so dear to my heart, and I appreciate you. But I was I was nervous about the gig, but I was more nervous that I wasn't feeling well from the Burger King. <laughs> so I was like, it was like a, a little intense for me that day, man. And I was sure I was like really excited, man. That that's the game, man. You know, you gotta play sick. You gotta play with. Diarrhea. I mean, yep. there's times I've been on stage. I was on stage one time in Germany and got sick and my stomach was bubbling. I had to hold it in until the end to be faithful and then ran off stage and, and, and went to the bathroom. I mean, that's the game. It is. You, know, you, like, you ain't never going to get past that. Sometimes you got to perform when when it's hard. That When you can do it when there's conditions, then it ain't nothing for you to do it when yeah. when you just doing it. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The show never stops, man. You yeah. got to keep going. Never. So that was my first big break. So what f- – that feeling that I had was like something I'll never forget. And thank you so much for that opportunity. And I've always uh, – you've always been so great to me. And I and you've always been a mentor to me also. I remember sitting in cars with you in New York and you just tell me about my move to Mood Swing was perceived. He was like one of the smartest things I did when I moved to New York. So what was that feeling that you had when you first got your break kind of like that? You know what I mean? That gave you that, like, you'll never forget where you were at that moment. Um, First break for me would probably be, I don't know. 
Um, hmm. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, it was just like a over. Like I couldn't believe. Like yo, I'm from Binghamton, New York. I got Fat Man Scoop, one of the biggest guys. You no, know, I'll tell you that, my first that, It was break. like crazy. My first break, Puffy put Puffy put me on stage at the State Building in Harlem. Twenty thousand wow. people. That's wow. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, I remember that you were telling me stories about the relationship you had with Diddy and, and old, old Bad Boy and everything Diddy like that. Diddy put me on stage, 20,000 people, uh, Harlem, I froze. Ugh. I froze. But what I did was, right before I got booed, I took my pants off and I had on harsh, hard, 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 boxes with hearts on it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I took off my pants and everybody went crazy and I went off the stage. That's <laughs> awesome. My first... That was my first legitimate, like, hardcore break that somebody had given me. So I got to shout Puff out on that. That's Puff high. definitely did that one. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's great, man. And, and, and it's it's just one of those things, man. It's a beautiful thing that you'll never forget, dude, for sure. So going along with that and one of your most famous songs, obviously, the Be Faithful, was that to put your brother through college, how that yes. started? Yes. I mean, uh, uh, uh Boogie, we changing names now. Yeah. Um, could, could tell you that that's the whole reason that I even did the record. Like that was just to put him through. Like I, I was already a, a well known and respected um, radio DJ yeah, in New York at High Ninety Seven. I didn't need mm-hmm. that. I was trying to figure out a way to, to make some money to put him through um, college. And when I came up with that scheme. Because of the fact that I knew how to do crowd participation and I saw DJ Cool do it, well, let me clear my throat. I was like, yo, man, I'm going to do this. It's going to be a go. We're going to try. And made a record, made a record, most the, mo- the, the most terrible record probably in hip-hop music. So terrible that I wished I still had it. I erased it. I wish I would have never <laughs> wow. erased that record, man, and erased the files. I tried to do it DJ Cool's way, live. Or I think I did it on Big in the, King in the Door by Biggie and yeah, yeah. A, a bunch of other things and didn't work. And um, wound up getting with the Crooklyn clan, uh, knowing DJ Riz from, from being a, <clears throat> a record promoter. And next thing you know, man, I got with Riz, you know, because I knew him and he was Crooklyn clan and he had his man DJ Scissorhands. And after I got with the two of them, you know, we did hands up and, yeah, hands up History was a big was one too. Right yeah. there, man. We only made a certain amount of records, but those records were really potent. I think wow. it was like three or four, probably, right around there. Uh, yeah, we made a handful. Hand, hands up. Yep. We made where you at? We made yep. be faithful. We made everybody. Ayo, <clears throat> um, which I was being experimental. We made ayo. Yeah, yeah. Um, we made. Uh, Def Jam 2000 for Funkmaster Flex. Yeah, it was on yep, his album. Um, yep. We made, I think that was about it. Um, I think we made five records. About man. A handful, yeah. I called it. Um, um, ooh, ooh, ladies, well, that wasn't oh, them. Yeah. That was Chris Landry. That oh, was okay. Chris Landry. Yeah, Chris. Shout oh, out yeah. to Chris. Chris yeah, Landry. Chris. Wow. That was Chris, Chris, Chris Watson. Uh, show, show, show. I think Chris he owns AVA Records right now. No, no, no. Mark Petrico owns AVA Records. Um, 
he owns the other label. But Ner- nervous? Bootleg. Was it nervous? No, no, no not oh. nervous. It's another bootleg label. I forget the name of it. Oh, and, nervous um, did do bootlegs like that for yeah. a minute though, too. Huh? Yeah, nervous and, did and, some party and, break records. Yeah, he, he was a part. He, he owned a party break label, and. Now that you think of it, I think we only made like five records, man. Wow. Wow. They were. Oh, no, no. It takes two and six. Sean Paul get busy at seven. Mm hmm. Wow. Um, And those were big records, too. Oh, those huge records. Um, Hmm. um, Yeah, seven records. Wow. Seven. But we're very potent. Very potent records. Yeah, they're bangers, all of them. Yeah, they had a they had a big punch behind them. I, I mean, um, the only record that wasn't a banger out of them was Ao, which was a, which was a, um, which was an experimental record, which, you know, is a style of rap I may get back to, you know, um, get back to in, in, at some point now, you know, just. Just doing doing something different, but those are the, those are the records, man. Like I can't even say it was more than ten records. It was a good seven, man. But those seven, those seven were a motherfucker, bro. Yeah, they were. They definitely and they held the the time too. People still play those records. It's crazy. Not too many records stand the test time like that. So it's it pretty not. amazing. So we often talk about clubs on here. What are some of um, your past and present clubs that you love the most that you've played at? Anything in China. Anything in China. Wow, right? Anything. Because of the crowds? Crowds, atmosphere, size of the club, party level, intensity, anything in China, man. Wow. Um, Of course, going to Dubai, the city of Dubai in general. um, I love that city, man. The Cavalli Club in Dubai. Um, hmm. that's so hard to think of. Those are the ones that I think of right off of the right about, off of the bat. How about past um, places like when you was coming up, like when New York was like really popping? New York, oh like, man, Club Speed, um, Speed, yeah, that uh, place was huge. It was good. Um, of course, it was legendary. If you ever touched down at the tunnel, I touched down at the tunnel yep. one time. Nice. Um, let me see what else was. What else was popping? All of Raleigh, North Carolina, man. My days in Raleigh, North Carolina were legendary. Um, it was probably the early 2000s. That's when we used to do a lot of parties, and that's when that the music scene was so beautiful down that, that year. Yeah. That era was beautiful. Uh, it was lit in Boston, man. Those were the days, man, in Boston. Absolutely. Like, that whole corridor, Rhode Island, um, all, you know, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Boston – that was Liddy. Even our Manchester, New Hampshire, that that was Liddy. I don't remember the actual clubs, but I just remember the car. Yeah, and it's it was an easy pipeline to yeah. route uh, yeah. route some shows Absolutely. too. All right, you just hit it. You just hit it, man! Boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom. I wish that I wish that the corridor was open like that today, man. But that was a beautiful thing. It was, but it was a beautiful time in music, though. Too, it was. It was I special time in music for sure. That. The, the ignorance, the ignorance was less. You didn't have to worry about the rapper getting arrested the night of the show. It was like you right. did the show, and that was it. Like, that was it yeah. All this stuff that exists now, man, it, it wasn't. It wasn't nothing like that. It, actually, I was just looking at emails, and the only thing that was it was when you were coming to town. 
Jeff, I just hit traffic on I-90. I'll be there in 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, all yeah. worry about that. Now- it was simple, man. It was simple. It was, but you know, for me, for me, for me, Jeff, it was, I was always about the business. You always I were. Was I'm always about delivering yep. and doing my thing. And then whatever fun there was to have, that, that was beat, that was next. But more than anything, it was about delivering what I said I was gonna do. And um, you know, I, I had ladies and stuff, and you know, but it but it wasn't that was never clouded. It that never clouded my judgment. I never drank, I never smoked, but anything I did was after I did what I had right, to right. do. And you're totally right. And you've taught me that. And I've been the same way. I don't DJ to look cool. I don't DJ to get the girls. I DJ because this is my business. Mm-hmm. I don't hook up with girls after I'm done DJing most of the time because I'm not paying attention to them throughout the night because I'm there to perform and do a job. You've taught me so much. You even remember one time you're like, Boogs, you got to take deposits, bro. You yeah. just taught me so much about the business that I, I would have never I even know. You know what's so funny about that, man? I didn't even know what I was doing. Dude, yeah. I, I was but just, I was just you, following I was just, you, man. I, I appreciate it. I was just giving you information. That, like, I didn't know that I was doing that. I didn't know what I was shaping. I was just telling a, a, a younger guy in the business, yo, man, do this. But I needed you know, that. I didn't know what I was doing either. Yeah, me how to do it. That, that, that's all I was doing. And it's, I, I appreciate that. And I'm so grateful because I haven't worked another job in, in over <laughs> 15 years. So, All right. We got this one. I will, oh, I will say this. As I was DJing, I won't lie. As you DJ, your eyes are scanning the crowd. Yeah, right. So yeah. If, something you're like okay let me keep that in the back of my, my <laughs> mind and as, you're, as you're performing or rocking of course you just keep you just keep you you keep you keep tab on where that yeah. is yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and you got to remember i'm a i'm an artist so i would back then i wasn't even djing i was rocking the mic for an hour and do you know maybe i did my songs and that was it well i rocked the mic for an hour and then i was gone so i could keep I could keep tabs on where my eyes were always moving for the threats and for anything else. So I mean, I did. I always watched. I'm not gonna lie about that. <laughs> but they never stood around for me. You, you just leave the stage, and I still have to DJ for another hour after. So then the girls, nobody would be around when I got finished. They, I, the whole club would be gone by the time I was done. <laughs> so scoop, scoop. I wanted to ask you this: Did Diddy want you to be? The Biggie Smalls. And before 100%. before you answer everything, we're going to do part two next week. So find out when we come back. Oh, let's do that again. Let's do that again. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, Scoop. Now, did Diddy want you to be Biggie Smalls? And before you answer that, Tune in next week to find out part two and the answer from Fat Man Scoop. Yeah, come back next week. We'll have some more with Fat Man Scoop, y'all. Is it that time? A little PNN? Positive news. Let's go. Well, obviously, we all know that there's a lot of news out there, and most of the news networks put out a lot of sad negative news but here at i'm the promoter he's the dj we do things a little different don't we jeff a little different we get the positive news network here pnn let's go jeff what's the positive news of this week all right 
we're going to, since we always talk about music, we're going to keep continuing with that with yeah. how Spotify, the largest stream serving service for artists, is pulling back the curtain to unveil how artists actually get paid. I always wonder that because there's a lot of things on the internet that are speculating how they're getting paid, even YouTube, all that stuff. So, yeah, go so ahead. So they launched a website called Loud and Clear. I think it's loudandclear.spotify. It's a website marketed by the streaming platform as an attempt to pull back the curtain to, on how to compensate the artists. Now, it says it aims to increase transparency by sharing new data on the global streaming economy and breaking down the royalty system, the players, and the process. How it works is very, very complicated. It's a very detailed process. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. Because I have a lot of questions myself. After so they you don't say directly this. pay the artists, they pay the labels. The distributors, those are called the rights holders. So the distributors and labels are called the rights holders. Now the rights holders, after they get paid from Spotify, pay the artist. Mm. So in how the artist makes the deal with the distributors, labels, rights holders, is how much they get paid per stream. And the interesting fact that I also was, was doing this is Apple Music actually pays double to the shareholders what Spotify pays and Amazon pays triple, which is wow, that's crazy. crazy. But Spotify is the biggest one in terms of, of, of like streams. Yeah. More people. And you would think that it would be Apple because Apple tries every time you buy a new Apple device, they try to basically give it to you for free. Right. Yeah. The, I mean, Spotify's just got a stronghold on it, I guess. Huh? Huge, huge. And Amazon too, because everybody that has Alexa, I mean, uh, Amazon prime has access to the, the music server, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, that's surprising to, to know because Spotify is the least, like it's the hardest one to actually get to or access as far as <laughs> like so free too. viewers or like, you know, so it was, it was pretty interesting to read, but it was also great to know that how they put it out there. When you're searching around the Loud and Clear platform, you can actually put in the number of streams that you think that you have. Yeah. And it will calculate for you, like, what. And Spotify is putting that out, correct? Spotify it's not like putting, an app. No, no, no. Cool. Because yeah. I think people are asking about it, and I think it's good to show show people how, how they do get paid. And I think that's important because all these artists are, I think that's their biggest platform. It is their biggest platform it, now. You're it, not, yeah. yeah, you're not going to record stores anymore. You're not selling CDs. Yeah, this is their biggest platform. You're not even so. buying music on, on on Apple Music anymore. No, it's just streams, yeah. So I have some, we should look into this a little bit more. And then if you guys know out there, hit us on our Instagram and let us know. How long does a song actually have? A few things. How long does a song actually have to play for on Spotify for that artist to get credit for a play? Two. How like how how does Spotify know that those plays are real? Like, can I just like repeat a song eight million times on a computer and then I, the artist I, gets? I think it might have to do with the IP address. I can look that up, but yeah. it, I bet you it has to do with the IP address because you just play it over and over and over again. I think it's from different IP addresses. But and maybe not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another thing is, every time that I listen to a Jay Z record, like anyone, like Hola Vito or whatever, every time do I play it? Does that artist get a, a a play for that? Yeah. So I can just have it on repeat, and every time I play it, that's crazy, man. Yeah. So that's why, like, things with it's such a different like world than we we're used to. Well, for example, the the uh, I forget the guy's name, Dog Dogface, when he did the cranberry commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Fleetwood Mac went back to number one because so many people streamed that song. Yeah, so and like got, we were talking it, about the yeah. verses though too. Right. Like they noticed that after the artists do the the verses kind of, you know thing that they're the the actual artist the next day their Spotify plays and mm-hmm. and streaming plays probably from all platforms go up. Right. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to learn because this is it's not new but it's new to kind of our generation because we're used to seeing the records come out on what would they come out on I Tuesdays? I think Tuesdays, yeah, Tuesdays. yeah. We're old. <laughs> come out on Tuesdays, and then by next Tuesday, you'd find out who had the album. This is actual yeah, yeah. physical units sold. Yeah, Tapes, yeah, yeah. CDs. This is crazy. Records. And it, Spotify, I think, was the one of the first to start streaming music too. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not positive on that, but they're, they're definitely the biggest right now. But it's it's really interesting, and I'm glad that they did it, and to be. As the as the website is loud and clear to to That's let people amazing. know we're not uh, hiding this, anything. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, per stream, it's the most. It's like it's like point zero zero like two a few more zero. Oh yeah. shit! It's, yeah, it's not you're not getting paid a penny uh, a penny a, uh, a, a stream. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Another thing about Spotify I love is you know being a DJ, I would only be able to pretty much access singles. I wouldn't. It, singles were easier to to come by right, and right. have than albums, mm-hmm. and it was more useful because you wouldn't buy an album to play one song off it right. in the club. You know what I mean? Right. So I love Spotify and these streaming things because I get to listen to actual. I I couldn't buy albums because I was spending all my money on the make, singles, the singles yeah, to play right. in the clubs. So now you get to listen. So to I the couldn't albums. like be like, yeah. oh, I want to listen to this. Bob Dylan album. I know it's so far left, but like a Bob artist like Bob Dylan. Yeah. Everybody respects him. I didn't really know much about him, and I couldn't go buy a Bob Dylan thing to to see what everybody right. was talking about because. But now I could just go on Spotify and just go through the catalog, yeah. and That's it's awesome. pretty amazing because these younger kids have access to viewing artists that we pretty much didn't have because we weren't going to buy a Led Zeppelin right, CD or right. something Unless like Unless it was that. on the radio. You would yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so it's pretty amazing. And, and that's why I think Spotify is great for for that purpose. And that's uh, this week's positive news. Yeah, positive news for this week. Jeff killed it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. man. So, uh... Once again, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate everything. Uh, you can follow us at I'm the Promoter. He's the DJ on all platforms. Follow Jeff at Jeff London underscore on Instagram and Jason at I am Jason. No, Jason Smith. I forget my Instagram every week, bro. I don't. I'm not good at social media. It, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Jason Smith Music as at, at Instagram, man. Well, thanks again. Fucking shit. I'll, I'll see you next week. <laughs> Peace. Dude, these things are killing me, bro. Like, come on, man. (laughs) Okay, I'll reload it. Jeff London, DJ Jason Smith. Pick on the pain. When the sun goes down, the music turns up. A whole new world opens up behind the velvet rope.